your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Wednesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast. It is May 26, 2021. Your boy Q here. You can find me on Twitter, as many of you do, at your boy Q254. And of course, the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, always wide open like some old school TV antennas, 707-654-4693. Got a lot for you on today's show. Coming up in segment number three, you will get those calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. Lots of good feedback. Got some good feedback on hearing Obi-Wan Raider on Tuesday's show. Thought that was awesome. I'm glad that he was able to call in and let everyone know that he appreciates the love and the thoughts and that he's getting better. He's not where he needs to be, but he's getting better. So I thought that was really cool and very inspirational. So got a lot of feedback uh, off on a bunch of different subjects coming up in segment number three. Segment number two, I had a few options here. Uh, I did a lot of radio work on, on Tuesday, not to mention my show on Fox Sports Central Texas, but I was also on Raider Nation Radio 920 with Vinny Bonsignor. I was on for about an hour and maybe almost an hour and a half. No, about an hour. Yeah, I jumped on at uh, at 6.30 Central Time, and then I jumped off at 7.30 Central Time uh, right when he was about to talk to Bruce Gretkowski about the the article that he had on Pro Football Focus that we actually talked about on this show last week where he had Derek Carr ranked 13th. So I was on with Vinny for about an hour, and then the feedback from the phone was kind of bad, so we didn't want to mess that interview up, so I just hung up. But I spent a good hour with Vinny in the huddle, so that was really cool. If you want to hear that, uh, I think he puts it out in podcast form. Uh, in the huddle, Vinny Bonsignor. You can check it out anywhere you find podcasts, including this great one. But either way you look at it, that was fun. But I also, earlier in the day, had jumped on with Cofield and Company from ESPN Las Vegas. So I was on two different stations in the same building, and that was a really fun conversation. We scattershot. We were talking about all kinds of different things, from the NBA Finals to the Oakland A's and Dave Cavall being there in Vegas at the Golden Knights uh, game and just kind of rubbing it in the face of Oakland that he was in Vegas trying to get something done. And, you know, just whatever. There was a lot of different conversation pieces that we had. So I'm going to bring to you in segment number two, the part of the Raiders, the Raider conversation that we had, uh, talked about a couple different subjects when it comes to the silver and black, and I thought it was some good convo. So uh, you'll hear that from Cofield and Company coming up in segment number two. It's about an eight-minute chunk. That's about it. So that's what you'll hear in segment number two. Here in segment number one, news and notes of the day, as I always do. So let's go ahead and jump right into that. Off top, the Raiders' training camp dates have been determined, and really, the NFL have made it a league-wide thing. So all of the NFL is going to be starting on Tuesday, July 27th. So the Raiders will report to camp on July 27th at their practice facility in Henderson. You know, in the past, they had gone to Napa last season because of COVID and everything. They trained there in Henderson. And they plan on doing that again this year. They're going to join 29 other teams in reporting to camp that day. The Cowboys and Steelers are going to open up camp on July 21st because they're playing the Hall of Fame game. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who opened the regular season against the Cowboys on Thursday, September 9th, they're going to open up their training camp on Saturday, July 24th. But that's because they have that early game, that Thursday, September 9th game. And, of course, the Raiders, they open up their season on September 13th. That's that Monday night football game against the Ravens. Uh, Also, it's the first time that the NFL is going to have a unified opening to training camp as part of the plans. All teams will hold practices and fan events on Saturday, July 21st. So that's something to look forward to. 
Here's a smaller, minor detail as far as the Raiders go. A little piece of news, a little nugget I like to call him. Uh, wide receiver Zay Jones, he's going to switch numbers in 2021. Uh, he's decided to switch from number 12 to number 7. He's taking advantage of the new rule that's allowing more than just quarterbacks, kickers, and punters to wear single-digit jerseys. He wore number 11 at the beginning of his career with the Bills. He switched to number 12 when he signed with the Raiders in 2019. Uh, if you remember going back to East Carolina when he was in college, he wore the number 7. So there you go. Zay Jones is going to be number 7, and he's just going to have to. I don't know how many Zay Jones jerseys are out there, but according to the rule, he's got to go out there and buy all the jerseys that are out there already. Again, I don't know how many Zay Jones jerseys are out there, but, I mean, that is what it is. So Zay Jones will be number 7 in 2021 as long as he's with the silver and black. And to be 100% honest about the situation, he might not be. And I know that the Raiders have liked Zay Jones ever since they made the move for him. And I know some people are going to think, oh, Q, you just don't like Zay Jones. You've been trying to get him out of there for a couple seasons. It's not that. I just think that there's going to be a lot of competition in training camp. And who knows what they're going to do with that move for Julio Jones. Are they going to make a move for Julio Jones? Where would that leave Zay Jones if they did? You know I mean? At some point, the wide receiver room is going to look really, really thick with or without Julio Jones. So that's why I say that. I'm not wishing him not to make the roster. I'm just saying there's a chance that he might not depending on the competition that he faces in training camp. So, again, just something to kind of pay attention to. And that number seven, I was hoping that rookie Trayvon Merrick was going to go get that. The rookie out of TCU, the safety that the Raiders got in round two, uh, he's number 25 right now. And I'd much rather him be rocking the number seven. I think that would be pretty cool to see him as a safety back there wearing uh, that number. But uh, right now, Zay Jones has it. So we'll see what happens moving forward and throughout the course of training camp. And speaking of Julio Jones, of course, this is going to be a conversation piece. It's going to be almost every single day until we find out what ultimately happens with him. Jeffrey Chadia, who I really respect from NFL.com, NFL Network, does a really good job. He ranked the teams that should trade for Julio Jones one through five. And remember, this is just an opinion piece, but he did rank the Raiders at number five. And I'll just briefly kind of tell you what he said. It's nothing about the team being put over the top. Nothing about, you know, man, that offense would be so dynamic with Julio Jones. But it basically was kind of like he said in the first sentence, the Raiders are in this conversation because they're one of the usual suspects when it comes to courting big name veteran players. So then he goes on to talk about Antonio Brown. He goes on to talk about John Gruden, talks about Mike Mayock and that whole scenario, how that went down. Uh, then he said the Raiders could use a receiver like Jones for the same reason the Browns and the Colts could. He could give them a better chance of beating the Chiefs. Then uh, he goes on to say the Raiders actually did beat Kansas City last year, almost pulled it off twice because quarterback Derek Carr had some dangerous weapons downfield, including wide receiver Henry Ruggs and pro bowler tied in Darren Waller. Uh, he said the Raiders signed speedy veteran John Brown and free agency to replace Aguilar. But again, Julio Jones is Julio Jones. Of all the teams on the list, the Raiders have the worst cap space situation, just over $6 million, but they have plenty of draft capital to offer. They also haven't been reluctant to make wild moves this offseason, whether that's breaking up the core of a strong offensive line or using a first-round pick on an offensive tackle who is widely regarded as a player who could have been selected in the later round, Alex Leatherwood. The Raiders do things their own way. If they want Jones badly enough, they'll make it happen. So it wasn't a glowing write-up. It wasn't that Derek Carr would use Julio Jones in such a way and John Gruden would really make the most out of it and maximize him. It's really basically just the Raiders are a wild child. They're going to do whatever they want to do. They're going to do it their own way, and that would make a true Raider type move, you know, and you even heard a little bit of a, uh, you know, backhanded compliment talking about tearing down the offensive line. And of course they did tear down the offensive line, but they also rebuilt it back up. And so it was nothing too major from Jeffrey there, but still he had the Raiders ranked fifth. Now the team that was ranked fourth right in front 
of the Raiders was the San Francisco 49ers. Before them, number three, the Indianapolis Colts. The Browns came in at number two. And at number one, of course, and I'm sure that he's going to call them geniuses, are the New England Patriots. And so uh, let's see, what did he say? The Patriots had discussed this possibility internally as they should. Head coach Bill Belichick opened free agency as if he was engaging in wild shopping spree on Amazon. Then he goes on to talk about the players that the Patriots got in either free agency or the draft. And then he goes down and brings up a subject that Raider Nation all remembers. Talking about Julio Jones, he said the dude could still play. You also might remember the success Bill Belichick enjoyed when he acquired Randy Moss in a trade with the Raiders 14 years ago. Moss arrived in New England in his 10th pro season when he was supposed to be a rapidly declining talent. He wound up re-energizing his career and helping the Patriots nearly go undefeated in his first season with the franchise. Of course, Belichick stole Moss from the Raiders as New England only gave up fourth round pick in that deal. Jones is going to cost quite a bit more. So uh, it was a lot different, man, between the fifth and the write-up on the fifth team, which is the Raiders, and the write-up on the Patriots, which was the number one team. But I don't think anyone should be surprised by that. And my final little nugget for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast news and notes of the day has to do with the Legion Stadium. And a, a report came out on Tuesday that a reserve fund was needed to make a payment on Allegiant Stadium. And, you know, of course, the headline catches you, and you're like, whoa, what's going on? It said, for the second time in six months, Nevada's Clark County has to pull millions of dollars from reserve funds to meet a payment on the Las Vegas Raiders' one-year-old stadium. The county disclosed in regulatory filings that it will make an unscheduled draw of $11.7 million from one of the reserve funds backstopping the $645 million in bonds issued in 2018 that helped finance Allegiant Stadium. The county has a $16.1 million payment due on the bonds for June 1st. Now, the thing about it is where it sounds really, really bad, and it basically says that the Raiders can't pay their bills, that's not really the, the deal. The deal is that nobody was in the stands in 2020 at Allegiant Stadium, so a lot of the money was not able to be generated, so that's why they have the reserve funds. So, yeah, they've had to go to the reserve funds a couple times to go ahead and flip that bill, but it's not going to matter. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll have money hand over fist, plenty of money to pay the bills, but it's just interesting, and a lot of people are going to jump on it, so I'm kind of telling you that now. When you start hearing people say, oh, yeah, how stupid was it for them to give the Raiders that money? They can't even pay the bill. It is not that. Matter of fact, uh, the Clark County Director of Communications, Eric Papa, said in an email, he said, this action does not constitute a default and was expected in light of the decline in tourism to Las Vegas. Fortunately, the financing for the stadium authority bonds included the funding of a debt service reserve fund to weather economic declines like the one Las Vegas is currently experiencing due to the pandemic. So, again, they knew it was coming. They made sure that they had the reserve there just in case the situation. They didn't know the pandemic was going to happen, but it did, and they had that reserve fund just in case. So when anyone tells you that, all oh, the Raiders are broke and they can't pay their own bills, it's BS, but it's just something that's out there, so now you know. So, and, and no one's have to battle. Isn't that what they say? Yeah, pretty much. All right, that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up with segment number two, the Raiders part of my conversation that I had with Steve Cofield from Cofield & Company on Tuesday on ESPN Las Vegas, uh, probably about eight minutes max just a bunch of Raiders stuff just kind of scatter shooting with a bunch of different subjects as far as the Raiders go that's coming up in segment number two before I get into that though I want to tell you about something I tell you about all the time and that is Built Bar Right now, there's nine delicious flavors that you could choose from and a limited time offer right now for birthday cake. But I believe we're in the last day of birthday cake. So you'd have to go to BuiltBar.com right now and, and check it out. But they do have coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate and salted caramel. There's something for everyone. If you're not too sure which one you want, if you don't want just one flavor, maybe you want a mix box. You can get two of each flavors. That's 18 bars. 
They're great tasting and they're great for you. That's the best part of it all. BuiltBar.com is the website you got to go to when you decide to check out. When you get your order in and you decide to check out, make sure you use the promo code LOCK15. You'll save 15% off your order just like that. And again, birthday cake with the sprinkles on it. That is a limited time edition. Today is the last day. So you'd have to go there right now and get it on the website at BuiltBar.com. And when you do, like I said before, don't forget, use the promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your order. Segment number two, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to jump into just a part of my conversation I had with Steve Cofield from Cofield & Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Had a lot of conversation with Steve. Matter of fact, I think uh, it was about a 25 to 30 minute conversation that we had, but we were talking about a bunch of different subjects from the A's to the NBA playoffs to the Raiders to just all kind of stuff that was going on. Stuff with George Floyd. I mean, all kind of conversation we had on, uh, on Tuesday. So here's just the Raiders portion of that conversation q myers is with us here on cofield and company on a tuesday nfl time it never ends man it never ends the transactions the rumors julio jones now is a big part of the conversation we were talking about julio a couple of weeks ago saying hey june 1st is going to be a key day yep lots of veterans big names could be out there could be released could be traded so what do you uh, first of all think about Julio Jones going on live TV yesterday? I don't know if he knew he was live or not, but he goes on and basically said he he proclaims the end of the era with Atlanta. Then he also says he doesn't want to go to the Cowboys. What do you think of the convo on live TV? I, I thought that was not really a cool move. Um, I don't know because it's undisputed and you know how that goes. I, I don't know if it was staged or not, but it sounded like he didn't know that he was on TV. And I think that that wasn't cool on Shannon Sharp's part to do that. But uh, again, that's what they're going to do on that kind of show. So it is what it is. That's the reason why I'm not a big fan of it. But of course, it, it went off like wildfire on Twitter. And so that's where I saw it and, and actually listened to the conversation. Uh, I think Julio Jones knows that it's a done deal in Atlanta. He's going to be on his way out. The one thing I took away from that conversation is he said he wants to go to a winner, but he doesn't have a no-trade clause, so it's not like he can pick and choose. If Cincinnati comes to the table with the best offer, Atlanta will say, all right, you're going to the Bengals. That's not a winning team. I get it. He wants to go to a winning team at the end of his career, but it's not up to Atlanta to find a winner for him to go to and satisfy him. It's up to them to find the best the best case scenario for the team so they can also get something back in return. They're already going to have to eat some of that money post June 1st, so that's going to hurt them. So if they can get some good quality draft capital back, that's what the the Falcons are going to do. They're not worried about, uh, you know, a a, a winner on the team or anything, but it it was interesting. You know, it just kind of basically solidified, I think, what we already knew, that he was on his way out of Atlanta. You mentioned the winning team. Do you think he'd want to go to the Raiders? Raiders are trying to become a winning team and get over the hump and Unfortunately for the Raiders, are over under this year on the Vegas boards for wins is just seven in a 17-game season. Do you think he'd want to go or come here to Las Vegas? I do. I think he would because if you look at the offense that the Raiders have, not the defense, but if you look at the offense, I think he would probably look at that and say, wow, that's a lot of weapons on the on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, the AFC West is a dog, and so that's going to be a, a tough battle every time. Anytime you have the Kansas City Chiefs in your division, but I mean, he could look at it and say, "Hey, there's Darren Waller, <laughs> there's Henry Ruggs with all that speed, former Alabama guy. There's Josh Jacobs in the backfield. There's Kenyon Drake, a bunch of Alabama guys. There's me out there. Uh, Derek Carr can sling the ball, and, and the offensive line is going to protect him. I think he's looking at it like, man, I'm not going to get double teamed. Uh, yeah, okay, I I can go there, and I honestly, and this is a conversation." 
conversation I had on the podcast uh, today, as a matter of fact, I think that there is a better, not really a better respect, but there is a, a little bit more level of respect from players across the league than there is from the national media for the Raiders across the league. I think that the players realize, especially offensively, John Gruden's an offensive-minded guy, and he's going to want to get the best of the best and get those players in the situation. I think these players like John Gruden more than the national media likes John Gruden. So you had a conversation the other day on your podcast, uh, Lockdown Raiders podcast, where uh, I saw your tease was uh, conversations about players naming the Raiders as a destination team. Yeah. Is that the reason that yeah. you think they're so often a destination? Is it Vegas? Is it Gruden? What is it? Well, I think one, I think that the, the name Raiders always makes the story better. Uh, I, I think that especially when it comes to quarterbacks, you know, and the, the narrative is that Gruden and Carr don't get along, even though he's had four years to get rid of him and he still hasn't, uh, you know, which is kind of a, a funny scenario. But I think that adding the Raiders name to everything always makes it seem better. You know, if it's Russell Wilson, if it's Aaron Rodgers, if it's Julio Jones, if it's Tom Brady, whoever it is, it always makes it better when it when it has to do with the Raiders. I also think that the Raiders are that kind of organization that everyone knows, similar to the Knicks in basketball, that the league is better when the Raiders are better. And so I think a lot of players, you heard Yannick Ngakwe when he, uh, you know, had his press conference with the Raiders. Hey, if I can help turn this franchise around and get them over the hump and get them back to where they were back in the day, these guys know their history. And I know the Raiders haven't had any good history in a long time. I get it. But they know that, hey, it would mean a lot to be a Raider and uh, that could turn things around and, and all of a sudden end up in the Super Bowl or, or make a deep run in the playoffs. And, and then they start thinking about endorsements. They're thinking about Vegas. Vegas. They're thinking about the bright, bright lights, the brand new stadium. I mean, there's a lot of things to like about the direction that the Raiders are going in if they can get 10, 11, 12 wins this season and get into the playoffs, which is ultimately the goal. Raiders have a pretty deep receiving core, a lot of intriguing prospects. Yep. So I'll ask the question, don't rip my head off. Do the Raiders need Julio Jones? Yeah, he would be the number one wide receiver immediately. Darren Waller yeah, that was, is... That was quick. That was quick. <laughs> Darren Waller is the number one playmaker at a tight end position, but, uh, you know, you look at those, like you said, you, they have intriguing players. They do. I like Brian Edwards. I like Henry Ruggs. I like Hunter Renfro. I like, you know, Zay Jones. I like, I mean, whatever, John Brown, you know, uh, Willie Sneed. That's cool, but they're not Julio Jones. Julio Jones would instantly be the number one wide receiver, make Henry Ruggs' job, I think, that much easier, and make Darren Waller that much more dangerous. I think that combo right there, Waller and Julio Jones, and then you got, you know, Foster Moreau still coming back from uh, injury, and, and he was back last year, but they had Jason Garrett, or not Jason Garrett, Jason Witten in front of him. Might as well have been Jason Garrett. <laughs> had Jason Witten in front of him, kind of slowing his progress down, but either way you look at it, I think think that there's so many weapons that Julio Jones would really thrive. And the, the biggest question I have is he's 32 and he played in nine games in 2020. Is he going to be that guy? Is he going to be a guy that's going to miss time because, well, he's getting older? Or is that just a one-off and he's going to go back to playing 14 to 17 games a season? That's going to be the big question. Pro Football Focus is uh, putting out stories ranking positions around the National Football yeah. League. Wanted to see what you thought of this one. They ranked the edge rushers around the National Football League the Raiders have the 24th best edge rusher and 32nd in Ngakwe and Cleve Furl. That seems kind of low. That doesn't seem very optimistic about the edge rush from the Raiders. No, it doesn't. And, you know, I'm actually surprised that Cleve Furl made it to number 32, to be honest, just because he hasn't put up uh, big numbers as far as uh, sacks. I know that he can get pressure on the quarterback. I know he's really good against the run. Uh, I think with Ngakwe, you just know what you're going to get from him. You're going to get 8 to 10 sacks a season. 
I mean, that's that's what you could sign up. You could write that right down on your paper right now. Unique Ngakwe will get, as long as he plays, he'll play, he'll get eight to ten sacks this season for the Raiders. He's just going to be that consistent dude. He's not going to go to 15. He's not going to challenge the, you know, the sack record in a season. He's not going to be that guy, but he's consistently going to get you about eight to ten sacks. So that's a good starting point. Now it's up to the guy across from him to get eight to ten sacks, maybe a Max Crosby. Uh, you know, I, I'm really excited. I've told you a couple times about Malcolm Kuntz, the, the uh, draftee out of Buffalo. I think he's going to get you four or five sacks. So if you get eight to ten out of Ngakwe, eight to ten out of Max Crosby, four or five out of Kuntz, now all of a sudden you're already higher than what you had all the last season when you only had 21 sacks. So it's coming along. Is it where it needs to be? No, but it's coming along. Q's going to stay with us. On the way back, we are going to address the, uh, the A's shopping their wares around the country, visiting Las Vegas right now. Q is a Bay Area native, so I'm sure he's got a strong take on what the A's are doing and if Major League Baseball is going to step in and do the right thing. So there it was right there. Uh, my Raider part of the conversation I had with Cofield and the company from ESPN Las Vegas on Tuesday. Steve Cofield is always a good dude to hop on with. I uh, had a very busy, active day on Tuesday, not only talking to Cofield and company, but I also was on with Vinny Bonsignor from Raider Nation Radio 920. Was on with him for about an hour and some change, so if you want to go check that out, you can. Uh, I know that Vinny puts out the the show on uh, basically podcast style a little bit later on. So maybe if you uh, you look for it uh, in the huddle is what it's called. I always call it inside the huddle, but it's in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, Raider Nation Radio 920. You could find it. You could probably go to their website, lvsportsnetwork.com, and find it as well. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Got a lot of good stuff to get to, and we'll do it after I tell you about betonline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action baseball's in full effect nba the playoffs were last night nhl ufc mma that is all going on so before the next pitch before the next bucket the next goal the next knockout whatever it is go over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device get all the great sporting news sign up bonuses and contest information get off the sidelines get into the game head to the website using the laptop or your mobile device again sign up today and receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit the way you do that, betonline.ag, use the promo code Locked On. That's going to get you 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Segment number three, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line. You know the number, 707-654-4693. Got a lot of good feedback to get to, so let's go ahead and start things off with Raider Big C in L.A. It's actually been a while since he's called, but he's hitting us up to ask about the tailgate event or a tailgate event that might be going on this year in Las Vegas. Here he is, Raider Big C in L.A. It's Raider Big C from L.A. It's been a long time since I called. A lot has happened. A lot has happened. I'm not going to dive into that. The main reason why I'm calling today is you haven't discussed which game you're going to this season. I remember, you know, the, the OGs on this uh, podcast will know we used to do a tailgate back in Oakland. You know, so let's leave us leave and see. Uh, can't think of everyone else's name. But are we planning to do that again this year for this season? That would be amazing. If not, Let's just, you know, see when you're going to the game so we can, you know, open in Vegas like it's supposed to. So that's my main thing. Other than that, I could dive into the draft, into the schedule, but right now I feel like it's just something that we just got to wait and see what happens. Let the players train. Let them do what they want to do. 
let them get ready for the season. But I can say one thing. I think this is our season. Raiders. There he goes. That's Raider Big C in L.A. It's been a minute, man. It's good to hear from you. And um, I'm sure I think Selena and the O.C. is working on something. That's something that I kind of read up on. She kind of let me know that they were working on something in Vegas. I'm not exactly sure what game or games I'll be at or if I'm working or what's going to be going on. I have no idea right now. Uh, but then again, it's only May. So uh, that's something that will continue to kind of update you here on the podcast and let you know exactly what happens. I'm sure there's going to be an event going on in Vegas, uh, but I know that it's going to be tough because well, not tough. That's not, that's the wrong word, but there's just going to be so much going on in Vegas that it might be hard to really just lock it down and narrow it down like we did before, but we'll figure out something and we'll continue to communicate here on the podcast to let you know. But thank you so much for that call, my man. Again, it's been a while since we heard from you and it's, it's good to hear from you. Uh, next up is a text from 209 Cocaine Raider. What's up, Q? It's 209 Cocaine Raider coming to you from the Valley of the Sun. Just wanted to chime in on your podcast, Saluting Raider Nation, last week. I'm a Raider fan through and through. I don't know any different. As being said, when you bring up certain names, it brings me back. As a kid, my idol was Napoleon Kaufman. As a three-sport kid in high school, every chance I got to wear number 26, i jump all over it. And once I got to college via baseball, 26 wasn't the popular of numbers, so I was always able to rock the deuce six. So many of my most vivid memories growing up had in one way or another involved the Raiders. I remember being at my dad's buddy's house, who we shared season tickets with, watching the tuck rule game. And once that play went under review, both my pops and his best friend stood up and said, if this play is reversed, I'm not re-upping my season tickets next year. Let me tell you, they were true to their word. Sorry for the lengthy text, but one more memory that I'll never forget. I was in Napa with my family watching the Raiders training camp, and this was before they had all the super nice facilities, and they were doing their thing at Napa High School. The practice is just about over, and people are starting to line up by the field to get in line for autographs. Being an 11-year-old kid, I snuck my way to the very front of the line, and I guess I was either super annoying to the security guard, or he just saw how excited I was to meet my favorite players. Anyways, to make a long story longer, the guard looked at me and asked me, Son, if you were to want to meet any Raider right now, who would it be? And without blinking, I said, Sir, I'd actually want to meet two, Tim Brown and Jerry Rice. No joke, dude picks me up, lifts me over the orange fence, and walks me to the seat that is directly in between Tim Brown and Jerry Rice. Almost brings tear to my eyes thinking about how special of an event that was for me. Raider Nation, listen to Q. He's right. We are the only nation. Just win, baby. That's from 209 Cocaine Raider. He says he's out. Uh, lots of good stuff, man. Very lengthy text, but very good stuff right there. And yeah, that's the thing. When you mentioned Napoleon Kaufman, he was one of my favorite Raiders back in the day. He was so fun to watch. That dude was small, but he was strong as all get out. And man, if he got in some open field lookout, he was gone. So yeah, I remember I remember meeting Napoleon Kaufman. This was right before he became a minister like full time. That's when I met him. But then he all of a sudden became a, you know, a minister all the time. And now he's a, a football coach there in the city of uh, Oakland, Bishop O'Dowd High School, which is really cool. But yeah, Napoleon Kaufman was the dude man definitely definitely was a big fan of his as well so appreciate that text next up got a call from jordan oregon he's calling to talk about a few subjects including last week's pod about raider nation and also the julio jones talk we had that is clearly ramping up not to mention he also speaks on the defense here he is jordan in oregon hey what's going on q jordan in oregon just wanted to call in and kind of give a shout out on a few different points uh, first off love the the pod this week and all the reaction to your tribute to raider nation and yeah, that was that was awesome, man. You really struck a, a chord to Raider Nation. You can always tell when you hit something like that. I had so many great calls and so many great stories. And also the Julio Jones talk, I was loving that. Uh, something I even kind of brought up right after the draft, and it seems like it, it's getting a little momentum as his June 1st date approaches. You know, I would love to see them make a move on this, and, and you know, maybe it's part of the Gruden in me just saying, adding another playmaker, but 
you know, that a lot, I hear a lot of people, the reaction of trading a second or third round pick or heck, even a second and a third round pick, you know, that seems insane for a team that would be trying to rebuild. But I, I really don't think the Raiders are necessarily in a rebuild right now. I mean, we've got a 30 year old quarterback offense going into year four, um, <clears throat> a defense, which I want to speak on in a second that could make some big strides. So there's some pieces in place um, that the O-line can, can you know, kind of make some progress and come together. There's some pieces in place. And with the defense, I feel like, you know, the progress that we saw from 18 to 19, there was some progress there. And I thought we'd make that same jump last year. And it was actually we kind of even statistically went backwards, just as bad as 18 and even a little bit worse in some areas. And so, you know, looking at the defense, just from a talent side, you know, adding, um, you know, Arnett and having Jonathan Abrams basically in his rookie season last year, you know, you got Mullins on the other side who I, I'd say most of the Raider Nation and myself would say he's done a, done an okay job. He's getting better. He looks, he looks like he could be a good player. And so you got all these young guys and then add Merrick on the back end. And I, you know, last year to take a step back, it was, was like one of those puzzling situations. And I just think that this year they're they're due for a big jump. If Gus Bradley can come in and just get them playing, you know, just just together, like not making those big boneheaded plays, I think that they can make a jump into like you know that that twenty to fifteen range. And so you know, <clears throat> I think the Raiders are due for a pretty good jump this year. And a lot of people have been hearing, man, they're just hating on us and you know putting us in the weirdest categories of power rankings and this and that. And, no, honestly, let's just let's let's ride that out. It's a good thing. Uh twenty seventeen, you know, everybody was predicting us in the Super Bowl. We all know how that went. So I'd rather be on this side of it, kinda of come as an underdog, especially that defense. I mean, we could take a significant jump just off of, you know, the correct coaching in place. But anyway, Q, peace out, man. There he is, Jordan in Oregon. And yeah, man, Raider Nation goes hard in the paint. We know that for sure. Fan base is un, you know, un, no one can match the intensity and the passion of Raider Nation. There's no doubt about that. As far as Julio Jones goes, yeah, he'd absolutely be a step in the right direction and a major factor if acquired. I mean, he'd make the team and the offense that much better. The defense is still going to be the big elephant in the room. Uh, can they improve from 30 points a game to 23 or 24? That is the big question. But thank you so much for that call, my man. I definitely appreciate you. Uh, let's see. You got another text from uh, Silver and Black Hole in the 661. Pretty lengthy text here. He says, hey, what's up, Q? Silver and Black Hole here from the Valley. I just wanted to talk about your conversation you had with Brother Marquise about Derek Carr, Gruden, and players throwing in the Raiders as their destination landing spot. First off, the NFL is better when the Raiders are better. The mystique of the Silver and Black and the Raiders fans is worldwide and the most loyal fan base there is. With that being said, as a fan, I just want my team to win. If you look at the headlines surrounding John Gruden, there's 99% negative. Three years after Gruden's return, Raiders still spinning. Raiders continue to baffle in free agency. John Gruden, Mike Mayock ranked as NFL's worst drafting GM. All these people writing these articles don't have a clue what type of conversations are being had behind closed doors. I guess what I'm saying is until Gruden and the Raiders show they can win consistently, they're going to be a question mark. I do think that the football-minded people understanding playing for Gruden, they're going to play for a team that is all about the offensive side of the ball, and that's attractive to players like quarterbacks. One other thing, people who get it understand that you don't build a $2 billion stadium and pay a coach $10 million without realizing it might take some time to grow into a Super Bowl-caliber team. Thank you for all that you do, Q. Sorry for the long text. Just win, baby. That's from Silver and Black Hole in the 661. And, 
I mean, yeah, John Gruden and Mike Mayock, as long as they're not winning, as long as they're not making the playoffs, it's going to be a lot of negativity. And, you know, similar to what I told Cofield and company, I think that, you know, players do want, especially on the offensive side of the ball, to play for the Raiders and John Gruden because they know that that's a focus of his. But with that being said, I still believe that the Raiders' name gets thrown into every conversation anyway just because of that mystique that you're talking about, the passion of the fan base, knowing that the fans, if they see the Raiders attached to anything, they'll definitely jump on it and look at it. It's clickbait. I mean, there's all kinds of conversations that go into it. So, yes, there's a part of both sides of the story, I guess, is what I'm trying to say that goes into it. But, um, yeah, the, the Raiders' name is just that kind of name that, that makes everyone stand up and pay attention regardless if it's good or bad. So, Thank you so much for that text. And my final call for the show comes from Border Jumper Raider. He's calling in to talk about what he heard on the podcast on Tuesday, and in particular from Obi-Wan Raider. Here he is, Border Jumper Raider. Q, Border Jumper Raider. Raider Nation, what is up? So uh, I listen to the podcast every day, and I take time to uh, uh, absorb all of this information you know, that I hear. Uh, usually it's in the um, uh, um, segment three in the calls. So you last week you were talking about Raider Nation. People talk about their jerseys. People talk about uh, their outfits and thinking about uh, making their own uh, clothing line. No, that's not what it's all about. It's all about how Raider Nation came together for a fallen brother who's down but not out. That's Obi-Wan. That to me is what Raider Nation is all about, how we all prayed and how we all called in and said, hey, we hope that Obi-Wan is doing good. To me, Raider Nation is family, and that's what family does. And that's the beauty of being part of Raider Nation. To the younger generation, hang in there, man. You know what? Times are going to get good, and you're going to be proud He's part of Raider Nation. Boarded Jumper Raider, jumping from Tijuana to San Diego, California. I am so out of here. There he goes, Border Jumper Raider. And, yeah, it was great to hear from Obi-Wan Raider just kind of knowing that, uh, you know, he's getting better. He's not where he needs to be. He wanted to get back with his family. But uh, just hearing his voice and, and knowing that he knows that everyone's been praying for him and uh, got them on, got him on their minds, that was really, really cool. And, yeah, that's absolutely what the whole family uh, of Raider Nation is all about. That is exactly the family aspect in a nutshell. You're, you're spot on about that. Thank you so much for that call, my man. Definitely appreciate you. So that's all I got to time for on today's show coming up tomorrow we'll have more news and notes of the day we'll have more calls and texts throughout that locked on raider podcast voicemail line and we'll see what other kind of conversation we jump into and it's always something and uh this offseason is kind of flying by i've been enjoying it we're almost at the end of may it's almost june 1st so uh it's i'm telling you it's going by quick fast and in a hurry before you know it, we'll be talking about preseason games and who's going to make the 53 man roster and all that good stuff so until tomorrow raider nation stay safe take care of your family do what you got to do and most importantly as always Just win, baby.